0: I'm not proud, but that was me, and when I face it, I take back a little dignity, not looking for excuses, I just want to be free from the power of weakness head on.
1: and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm Jean McCarthy, recovery author, blogger, and podcast host. I've been chronicling my adventures in life after alcohol since my first day of sobriety a decade ago in my blog Unpickled and in the books that I write, two of them so far and more on the way on my website. You can find the link in the show notes. I tell my stories there and I hold space for your stories here. And today I'm holding space for Kim Ballas. And Kim is the founder of Sober is the New Cool. And she is here today to tell us her story and her take on sobriety and recovery and why sober is cool. We know. We know we're cool. <laughs> I'm excited to hear her take on things. So, Kim, hi, and welcome to the Bubble Hour. Hi, Jean. Thanks so much
2: for having
1: I'm glad you're here. and I'm looking forward to getting to know you. We're both Canadian. I'm in Alberta. You're in Montreal.
2: Yes, I am.
1: So Kim, I'm excited for myself and the listeners to get to know more about you. So tell us about yourself and tell us your story.
2: Okay. So I started um, in 2013, my son, Matthew, started having seizures. He was a f- big football player. From one day to the next, unfortunately, he started these grand male seizures and life changed. Everything went upside down. Um, he wasn't able anymore to ride a bike, play sports. School was hard. He was put on medication. So as a 13-year-old boy, uh, life was hard. He tried to still go out with his friends and would call me about an hour after he'd get home. And he'd say, Mom, it's no fun. Uh, all the guys are having a beer um he was a great football player so he was with kids that were a bit older so he'd call me and say come and get me so after a few times of this happening I decided to sit down and have a talk with him and I tried to explain to him that you know he didn't need to drink or do drugs to have fun and as I was saying that I realized I had this huge glass of wine in my hand and I thought wow You were such a hypocrite. So at that minute, I said, We're going to try something. I'll stop drinking for three months. Uh, Three months came and went. And he said, See, mom, now you could be like everyone else. So I said, Okay, I'll do another three months. And after the, you know, around six, seven months, I realized, Wow, I'm feeling so much better. I'm sleeping better. I was a lot less anxious, especially with, you know, always being afraid he was going to have a seizure. Um, So I said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing this and support him. And then I realized one time I heard him with his friends say, no, you can't bring booze into the house. My mother stopped drinking for me. And I thought, okay, this is like bigger than what I thought. And at that minute I said, we're gonna start something called Sober the New Cool. How and I got to that, not quite sure, it was just an idea. And when I told people about it, everyone said, Are you crazy? You can't say sober and cool in the same sentence. So I said, No, unfortunately, I'm just gonna keep trying and I keep you know doing this for him. And so we started an Instagram page, um, a Facebook page, but it was very slow and easy. And, you know, it wasn't really, I think I was doing it more for him and to show other people that um, it was, you know, a great way to live without alcohol. And I realized the other thing also, I had such social pressure Everywhere I went, it was like, okay, well, nobody's here. No one will know if you've had a drink. Um, you can just have one. And I'd say, no, I made a promise to my son. How could I look at him in the face? So at that minute, I realized if it's that hard for me, a woman at 52 years old, because uh, it'll be, I just celebrated eight years, uh, January 12, 2021. Um, being sober-free, I thought, wow, there must be a lot of other people that have this same issue. And as it started, I started getting a lot of messages, um, people asking for help. And then I saw a lot of mothers also saying, you know, my kids are ADHD or ADD, and they're drinking, you know, at parties. And it was like fuel, you know, like pouring gasoline on a fire so uh, this movement just it just became a movement and so the new cool now um, we've just um, ended up helping so many people from everywhere in the world um, I don't pretend to be a doctor I don't pretend to be a therapist um, we do do certain things when people ask for help I will give them different, uh, well, especially with COVID right now, things have changed, Um, but I will uh, advise them on different AA meetings if that's what they wish to do. There's also many different sites like Big Vision in New York City for younger kids. Um, There's um, the Sober Sisters that do a lot of Alcoholic Anonymous type meetings twice a week. Um, I mean, I have a list of people to refer others to. And one point we just decided to make these T-shirts and hoodies to be able to give back to the Douglas Foundation, which is in Montreal. And they believe in mental health. And as far as I'm concerned, I believe mental health and addiction are go hand in hand. So that's where the t-shirts and the uh, hoodies come into play. And now it's just gotten to a point where because of my age, uh, I've been lucky because the young girls feel that I'm kind of like a mother figure. And I have zero judgment if they make a mistake. I ask them to get up and try again. We uh, just have continued this path, and now our Instagram is going crazy, Um, our Facebook. This morning, for example, uh, there's these young guys out of Arizona that were seen uh, with uh, our T-shirts on, and a mother in South Africa reached out to me saying that her son is heavily into drugs. And I said, oh... Where exactly are you in South Africa? Because I know people that are there through this movement. And this sober community, I feel, is one that is like a real family. Uh, It's incredible how everyone's ready to help one another, I sent a text out at 9 a.m. this morning, and I had my friend Chris Nell answer me immediately. He ends up that he lives in the same town um, as her, and it's going to help. So right now, I think that that's what we're doing, and we are re- as much as we're giving, we are getting so much back. Um, I have a lot of mothers, fathers, and daughters. The young men uh, is where we've had a bit of a a lack of of, uh, audience, let's say. But my son, who's 23, Matthew, is now doing podcasts and giving back. So we're here to help in any way we can. I do do something with people, which is called the I am. And I ask them to place their hand on their heart and say one positive word after those two words, and at the beginning, I found that a lot of people in addiction don 't uh, or aren 't able to find many good things to say about themselves, so we will send them a word in the morning and at night and ask them to do the same and quite honestly it's it 's really been a game changer. Just to make people remember a lot of the qualities they forgot that they had, so in a nutshell, that's who sobers
1: the It's so lovely i can I can tell from the way you talk about your work that it fills you up and that you find a lot of joy not just in serving others, but in helping others to discover their own strength and to turn inward and heal. So talk about that, about what what service to others does for you. Well, the I am,
2: I started it over six years ago. I had a young school teacher that was under the age of 30, and she could not find words to to say anything good about herself. And I received an email about a year down the road after we'd been doing this on and off. She said, I have to thank you because now I can name 50 things that are good about myself. And for me, I thought, if we can help one person not drink One day, one week, one month, or a year, we may even save a life. And for her, she was at a point of despair. And, you know, she was talking about suicidal thoughts. And today she's just doing marvelously well. And life isn't perfect, let's face it. But she's she's the greatest little school teacher you can imagine, and you know the faces of her students are really a symbol of who she is and who she's become. So mm-hmm. by me helping her, she's started to do the I am with her grade five students, which is remarkable.
1: So that's a, a ripple effect. Yes. And what about inside of you? Do you feel like there's times where helping others fills you up or walking others through those statements then, like, how have you grown from the way that you help others? Well,
2: I mm-hmm. have to say at the age of 60, I can finally say I am enough. I never felt pretty enough. I never felt thin enough I never felt smart enough. I thought I should have been a doctor, a lawyer, something grand. And now with what I've done or in what I continue to do, I feel as as important as anyone else. And for me, I finally feel fulfilled. That emptiness is gone.
1: That's a lot. I have a lump in my throat as you say that. As you were saying, you never felt pretty enough or good enough. Oh, I was nodding, nodding, nodding. I know you can't see me, but (laughs) uh, I'm guessing some listeners probably were too, because that feeling of not being enough. And it sounds when you talk about when you quit drinking and why you quit drinking, it wasn't that you were drinking problematically or alcoholically necessarily, but it might have been getting in between you and the healing that you needed to do in order to feel enough in those ways.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I know now alcohol was not my friend. I didn't exercise as much, I didn't sleep as well. Um I I realize now that, you know, the one drink starting to do homework Uh, you know, at five o'clock and then, you know, it would another drink and it was just too many drinks. And without it, I'm a
1: hundred percent happier than I've ever been. Here's, here's what's really interesting about you saying that is that (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of us, this was my, this was my mindset when I quit drinking was that I thought that only alcoholics quit drinking. And Mm -hmm. if I didn't see myself as somehow diagnosed as an alcoholic uh, internally or externally, then I shouldn't have to quit drinking because only alcoholics quit drinking. And that got in my way. That, That really kept me stuck for a long time. So I find it interesting that you identify as sober and you... Um, talk about being sober. And your friends were like, ah, I don't use the word sober. <laughs> and I guess because I, I feel like that usually is used only in reaction to a word like alcoholic or um, use disorder or something like that. So talk to me how you feel about labels and choosing labels that that fit or don't fit. How does that make sense for you? Well, the
2: word alcoholic I mean, people, I mean, we've had issues in our family with alcohol. So I'm not a stranger to that word. But I remember somebody saying to me once, if you're a shopaholic, people laugh it off. So why is alcoholic so taboo? It's just a word. And it doesn't define who you are. I think that if you had cancer or diabetes or a heart um, problem, you would have no problem asking as many people as possible for work, uh, for help, for doctors. Um, but being an alcoholic or any kind of mental issues, you know, depression, anxiety, um bipolar uh, cutting, there's so many different labels, and that's not who you are. Um, For me, it kind of goes back to my son, because he used to think without football, he was nothing, and his self-esteem was ruined, and I figured, wow, that was just part of who you are. It doesn't take away everything else you are. And that's how I feel about all these other labels. And I really don't like it when people use them because uh, addiction doesn't discriminate. You can be rich. You can be poor. You can be a fashion model. You can be a sales girl. You could be anybody. And for me, it's a disease. And I feel at this point also, people should stop saying, you know, we're helping people with mental illness or uh, we're behind uh, the Let's Talk movement. But that's it. Nobody really goes that one step until it's their child or their husband or their wife or their daughter or son So I think it's time people stop talking and start doing. Mm. Like help somebody up. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so many ways in a day you can make somebody feel heard, appreciated, um, or enough. (laughs) And I don't think people do that enough.
1: You know, I really like the idea of parents and kids supporting each other in different ways with, you know, personal support and friendly support. And I have a friend who had cancer and when she did chemo and lost her hair, her kids came for dinner and her boys shaved their heads and uh-huh. and supported her in that way and they didn't just shave their heads they were just like they they made it fun and silly and they shaved like you know funny old man bald spots and then took pictures and then shaved some more and <laughs> and made it a kind of a family party so that she didn't feel so alone in that and i think that's it can be you can take something that's hard and difficult and and pivot it into a way to be unified and and a, a team. And it sounds like that was what you were doing with your son, which is really cool. And for me, you know, I was uh, alcohol free for several years. And one of my kids developed some health problems that mean that he can't, he can't use alcohol ever. I mean, he was never much of a drinker anyway, but he just can't. And I feel like it was so easy for him to make that shift because he'd been watching me live alcohol free and have like a great life. So there's so many ways where we're just shining a light and it's not necessarily only for the people that are hopeless or hurting, but even just for our everyday walks. And like you said, for your son, there's other reasons to stop
2: drinking than either out being an alcoholic or not. It's a choice. Why do we have to explain it?
1: Yeah. At all. Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, my husband is gluten-free right now. (laughs) He gets no grief for that. People really go out of their way, and he feels no shame. His body just doesn't work on gluten these days, you know? (laughs) So you mentioned uh, about aging alcohol-free and some of the emotional and physical benefits of it. Can you talk more about that, Kim? How do you feel as you move into another stage of life and I definitely have found, I quit drinking in my 40s. And so now I'm in my 50s. So in the meantime, I've gone through menopause. And I feel like, boy, that was a real great thing to be alcohol-free going through menopause. Have you had other health benefits that you feel that you get from being alcohol-free? Oh, my God. My energy level. I
2: don't also look better. I feel better. My cholesterol is better. My blood pressure I mean the list is endless. It's um, for me. I I can't believe that at sixty, I'm in better shape than I was than I was at forty.
1: Yeah, you have a glow. I've seen your beautiful face on Instagram and on your website, and you are glowing, (laughs) sparkling. I
2: think I'm really happy.
1: Yeah, it shows. You know, it shows. Yeah, I can't actually hear it anymore.
2: <laughs> I mean, I was always a happy girl, you know, a smiley, and but now it just feels like uh, I'm maybe because I feel like I'm useful and I'm serving a greater purpose than I guess I thought I was able. So, uh, and I just feel better. Mm. I think it's. I think it's like kind of when you go on a diet. You know, when you're successful, everybody feels
1: better. I think it's the same thing with being alcohol-free. When you sat down with your son back in 2013 to tell him he didn't need to drink to have fun, Mm -hmm. it it strikes me that, you know, when, when we're young, we equate alcohol with fun or with recreation. But the older we get, we start to equate it with stress relief. Like you, you, you were saying you were talking to him with a glass of wine in your hand, but you Mm -hmm. weren't drinking that wine to have fun. I'm guessing you were drinking Mm -hmm. that wine to unwind in the evenings. When do you think Mm -hmm. that shift happens where we start, stop using alcohol to have fun and start using it to relax? Well, I think
2: it's not only when you have kids, I think just life gets in the way, it's not so, you know, everyday problems, you know, um, your job, financial, relationships. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, well, I'll have a glass of wine just for, you know, oh, it's the end of the day. God, I deserve it. I used to say that quite often. <laughs> and now I think, wow. <laughs> I'm not quite sure.
1: <laughs> I deserve I to poison I myself. myself. <laughs> I deserve <laughs> right? to dull my senses and harm my health. And <laughs> yeah, it's like you you think of it so differently. Yeah, yeah. A few years ago, the DSM-5 switched the definition or clarified the definition, and and stopped talking about alcohol abuse or alcohol addiction, but started talking about it as a spectrum of a use disorder. So alcohol use disorder is how it's thought of now and that people find themselves somewhere on the spectrum and you don't want to be anywhere on the spectrum really. But if you look back and think of it as a dependency that that is on one end is sort of high functioning and and a, a low level of dependency and on the other end is an extreme disorder, would you have put yourself anywhere on that spectrum at the time that you quit drinking?
2: Yeah, I would say I was high function.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, mm-hmm. I I worked doing events for cancer. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom. I did plenty of work at a local hospital. If anyone saw me, they would never think. To this day, people still say to me, "You you never had a problem."
0: Mm.
1: So <laughs> we never saw a problem, is what they say. <laughs> is what they're thinking, right? That's the translation. Yeah.
2: Or the fact is, they didn't feel what I was feeling. Right. I was so scared when my son got son got sick, and that glass of wine seemed to be like, okay, it'll just calm me down. I won't be so overprotective. I mean, I found so many excuses now that I look back. And in the end, I realized if he was to have a seizure and I had been drinking, how could I help him?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah that's that that hits me a few times too when i think about that my husband and i were skiing and there were some kids outside tobogganing and doing jumps and i said oh doesn't it feel good to know that if somebody needs a ride to the hospital we don't have to, to you uh-huh. know make sure there's someone who's sober enough to drive i remember that being an issue when we were younger and it's just such a relief to know that you can just count on me you know i'm someone you can count on that feels great Uh, How's your son's health now? Yeah, we're
2: three years seizure-free. Awesome. So that's why I get so excited. (laughs) Um, So we finally found the right medicine. He had never had the right medicine. He doesn't go to school anymore. School was just too hard with the medication that he takes. He has a job. He loves his job. He's a great worker. When he did try to even find summer jobs... The minute he would say that he had epilepsy, uh, he wouldn't get hired because that's uh, very scary. And a lot of people just didn't want that responsibility. So now he's looking at doing new things. And the podcasts and uh, these little videos he's been able to do on YouTube – he realizes that he's reaching people and helping them. So it's given him a gift in a way of giving him his self-esteem back and some self-confidence that uh, the world is open and there are endless possibilities Mm -hmm. for him. And the last one he did with not so anonymous podcast, there are four young guys out of Arizona And when they found out the story, they said to me, you know, we wanted to interview you as kind of like the mother. (laughs) And they said, now that we've heard about your son, do you think he could start the podcast being their age? And I asked my son, he said, yes. But he said, mom, I'm going to do it for 10 or 15 minutes. And he ended up doing an hour and a half. And he loved every minute. So it was a good day.
1: Yeah, I, I bet it felt good to him to open up and talk. It's hard for sometimes it's hard to get it going. And then once you start, you can't stop. It feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And you know, something came out of it that night. He had a friend that passed away from drink drinking and driving. And at 17.
0: Mm.
2: And when he was doing this podcast Said Mom, do you think I can talk about so-and-so? And I said, sure. And I never quite realized everyone who's come into this house in the last five years, he will take their keys away from them if there's any booze. And he's adamant on no one drinking and driving. And until that podcast, I never realized how much it, affected him that death
1: Hmm.
2: and that was huge for him to talk about it
1: you know he must uh he must be relieved to know that he can count on you to not drink like to not worry about you I don't know how many kids really worry about their moms but probably more than we think does it does it make you feel good to know that that that's something he doesn't have to worry about
2: oh he even asked me lately you know if I got married mom I think you'd have a glass of champagne wouldn't you and I said no (laughs) and he was shocked and he's not a drinker but I guess for him if ever he would get married he just assumed that I would do it and I said Matthew for me it's just, a, I think it's a slippery slope, and it's just not a chance I'm willing to take.
1: I'm yeah, not. it's interesting how that glass of champagne at weddings or at New Year's yeah. is such a cultural expectation for people as part of being celebrating and as something special. And it's just a, a glass of beverage <laughs> It's a, it just it's such a symbolic thing that it's hard for people to and I mean myself even as a new when I was newly sober to really wrap your head around not doing that and to realize that you know you can celeb- celebrate with as much joy in your heart and as much motion in your arm as you raise a glass of water or ginger ale or. I don't know, a cup of tea or something. And, like it's just a gesture. It's it's funny how... And the other we... thing for me is I'll never miss another memory. Right. Oh,
2: that, talk more about that's that. That's the way I see it.
1: Mm-hmm. Talk about that. How does that feel?
2: That is... I mean, if I had one regret, I know you, you're not supposed to say that, but I wish I had stopped drinking before just because I think there were missed memories. And, you know, I can remember now sometimes I see pictures and I see my face and my eyes, and there was no light, and there was no joy, and it's sad because it's, there was something missing
1: it's always in the eyes. It's always in the eyes. And we, I see it in my own pictures. I know exactly what you're talking about. And in online groups, people will post their before and after pictures. And it's almost like this, uh, a a film, a filter over the eyes that is, it's a, it's a little hazy. I mean, it's not that somebody looks drunk necessarily. What is it? What do you think you see when you look? What do you, what do you see? I think I, I, there was like a sparkle
2: that's missing, like life. This, when I see those pictures and I look at pictures now, I think there's like um, really a, a, a light of some kind. You know, I don't know if it's, it's not sparkly. That's not the word, right word. It's just, it's just so obvious when you see the eyes.
1: You know? (laughs) I know. I I feel like for me, I was always trying to hide. I was always worried that I looked drunk because I was trying to control my drinking in public until I could get home and let loose the way I wanted to, which was basically to drink enough Mm -hmm. to fall asleep. And So part of it was that I had like this caution in my eyes, you know, like I didn't want anyone to really see me. So there was a little bit of like a no trespassing sign on my face. (laughs) Oh, you know what? I never thought of it (laughs) like that. It's true. Mm. Yeah. We protect ourselves.
2: There was sadness and there was some, something that was, that I didn't want to share or I was embarrassed today when I say uh, you know I wasn't pretty enough I wasn't smart enough a lot of people kind of shake their head but that's how I felt and you can't take away anyone's feelings of how they feel they have to heal and they have to find a way to feel good about themselves I think it's a lot easier without alcohol (laughs)
1: Do you feel like you overcompensated if you were if you had self-doubt or felt that you weren't enough? I mean, do you think that's what people were seeing that you were doing a lot so they thought you must feel good, but did did you feel like you had to do more than other people to be as good as other people?
2: No, you know what? I think it was almost the the opposite. I I love helping people. I always have. And I think it was hard for me to make that a priority or for people to understand that I um why I uh, I chose to do it or I kind of had to always make an excuse of well I'm doing this to give back or I, it was always like having to explain something and I I don't feel that need anymore mm. Hmm. Mhm. You know, I I I guess I'm just in a good
1: place. Oh, I love that. The I am exercise that you mm-hmm. talk about. Where did you learn that? You know what? I've seen those words in many different magazines,
2: different advertisements, and I think that young girl that I started it with so many years ago. I think when she was texting me and she was telling me how sad she was, I just thought there's got to be some way. And she was far away, uh, you know, in the United States. And so it's not like I could visit her. There was no COVID in those days. But, you know, I had to find a way to be able to communicate with her. And I was, I was literally afraid. Uh, so I just decided, let's use one word. And it's got to be positive. And w- when I did it with her, I did it with my children also. Every morning in the bathroom, there was a different word for each of them. And at night, the same thing. And it was incredible how many words there are to describe somebody or a quality that, you know, people just forget, you know, you could be creative, you could be needed. Like somebody doesn't realize the word needed is, is a quality that you possess. If somebody needs you, (laughs) because you're capable of giving them something. I mean, and, the more I did it, the more I was able to find the qualities I forgot I had. And it's incredible how many young mothers through COVID have done this exercise with me. And now they put it on a posted it note and they put it in, the, in their spice rack, you know, the, the cupboard, inside the cupboard. Because they said when they would start a meal or to prepare a meal, that was one of their triggers to open the bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. So by seeing I am with all those positive words have helped them stay
1: sober. That is really beautiful. And you're right. That is sometimes we call that the witching hour for women and Delset Johnson, her book Drink which yeah. was released 10 years ago and i think really is the pride of canada when it comes to recovery writers because she really put her thumb on the problem she called it the second shift and that women get through their day and then they have to shift gears and do another 8 hours of work which is you know dinner bedtime laundry everything else from 4 till midnight and um, and sometimes that, that pivot point becomes the witching hour where they need comfort because they're exhausted and, mm-hmm. and want some comfort. So if those comforting thoughts and words come from a reminder of I am and a reminder of who you are, that can be the comfort in that moment. That's really beautiful. I and mean, it's so simple. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, as hard as
2: it is when you start, after a while, the words that people have sent me are, like, incredible. So it helps me every day, too, right? Yeah. Because then I think, oh, I
1: forgot about that one. Yeah. That's so nice. That's beautiful. And
2: then I can pass it on to someone else.
1: Uh, Talk a little bit about the clothing design and the clothing options on your website.
2: Well, I'll tell you, I have the hoodie and the T-shirts. And a few months back, I had a young girl that um, was very, very sad and had slipped. And so I did a post with all these different women wearing the hoodie. And it's white with the black logo. And I wrote, you are never alone. And we put her name on the post. And that post went from London, England, to Sweden, to across the United States, to Canada. People reposting it for that young girl. And now we started, the last post we did is, uh, come on, sober angels, Uh, we can do this. Hmm. And an angel is not necessarily... Just a woman, but what the post yesterday was just women, and uh, that young girl felt so much love, and she's back on track, and she's happy, and she realized now how enough she is that that many people cared about her, and it's all on a a hoodie. Hmm. Like people wear champagne and cocaine. Well, Sober's the New Cool is cooler as far as we're concerned.
1: (laughs) So these uh, t-shirts and sweatshirts are for sale on your website, org. And you mentioned that a portion uh, of the proceeds go to charity. Can you talk a little bit more about the Douglas Foundation?
2: The Douglas Foundation's is a wonderful organization. Uh, They have over 10,000 people that go through their doors in a year. Um, They have everything from one of their um, uh, sayings is help the brain heal. Uh, So they're everything from kids with depression, suicide, ADHD, eating disorders, um, all, all kinds of disorders um, and, and um, Alzheimer's. Uh, but for me, I just feel that those go hand in hand with addiction. And uh, so I just thought it was the perfect fit. And so I knew one of the girls that was there, Sarah. So I spoke to her about it. And she said she'd love us to talk about you know, the Douglas foundation and we do give to them because they give to others. And, uh, I, 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 I feel maybe because it said help, help the brain heal and my son having epilepsy and, you know, we'd had so much therapy after he was sick. Um, It changed our life. It gave us our life back. Mm -hmm. And without therapy, I don't know if we would be where we are today.
1: What did you learn in therapy? What were some of the key takeaways that were transformational for you?
2: Well, one of the first ones was uh, there was a doctor, Michelle Larose. She was at the Children's Hospital in Montreal. Um, We were talking And she wanted me just to talk to Matthew about how I felt or him to me. And I, the only thing I could think of was I failed you as a mother. Um, Because uh, at one point she had said to me, oh, you're, you're a working mom. And I thought, wow, she thinks I'm a working mom. And I was home all this time. I must have missed so many things, and he had been bullied at school, and I guess because he was a boy, I didn't think it was that bad, which is terrible to say now, um, because he was heavier than other kids. He was was built like a football player, so I guess that was like a bit of a slap in the face. (laughs) And I realized, okay. And when I told him I felt like a failure, and the tears were running down my face. I think it was the first time he saw me as not just a mom, but as a you know, as a person that had feelings. And he said, Mom, that's not true. And I said, But that's how I feel. So then we were able to relate a little better because. Even though I thought, okay, you have medicine, you shouldn't be scared anymore. How can I tell them how to feel? And I think that was my biggest, that's where I turned
1: around. So do you feel that after having that kind of a breakthrough moment, it got easier to connect to one another's emotions?
2: Yes. And I, I, I realize now that the one thing I do have to do is talk quietly to him by himself. Not when my husband's there or my other son or other people. We have learned to communicate differently because I think he requires that, that place where he feels Mm -hmm. safe.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. He can receive the message a little bit easier if he's not feeling as guarded with other people around?
2: Yeah, and I guess he doesn't feel as threatened if I'm... Because as a mother... I don't always just say nice things
1: so uh, <laughs> yes we often have very helpful things to say that other people don't appreciate <laughs> so uh,
2: I think that too without drinking is um, uh, they can't say well she had a glass of wine that's why she said that right so oh,
1: yeah yeah because yeah. that was kind of like impressive. liquid
2: courage right
1: right yeah and maybe we're a little less thoughtful with our words when yes, absolutely. When we've had one or two or more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you are in a great place. What are you looking forward to in the years to come, Kim?
2: Today was any example of how life could get better. Helping a woman in South Africa find some young man that's 27, that could probably relate to her son. And if we can continue to help others feel better, I think the sky's the limit because I really feel, especially with COVID right now and people working from home and all the problems, mental health problems that seems to be causing and no social contact, no human contact, no hugging. I think we have a lot of work left Mm -hmm. to do.
1: Yeah, this is true. Well, I thank you for your time. It's been great getting to know you. How can our listeners find you and learn about Sober is the New Cool and get in touch with you?
2: So we have
1: our Facebook
2: page, which is Sober is the New Cool. We have our Instagram, which is "Sober." period is period the period new period cool and we have a linkedin page which is again sober is the new cool our website is sober's the new dot org and we answer all messages that come in from Facebook messenger or our our email which is sober dot I T and at gmail.com and we're here and we just want everyone to know that sober is the new cool
1: Kim Bells, thank you so much for your time today listeners check the show notes I'll have all those links there for you I hope that you enjoyed our chat today take good care
0: everyone I own it I did that not proud, but that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity Not looking for excuses I just want to be free From the power Weakness had on me In a darkness Just stays and wait there To rob you of your pride Turn the light on, turn the light on You can shine When you see the old, I did that Not proud that that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free From power Oh, yes, hello You don't have to shout it out on Main Street too. You don't need to whisper to confession every year. The person you should talk to is looking at you in the mirror And the one who matters most can always hear When you say I am not not proud but that was me And when I face it I just want to be free from the power Oh, you miss out on me When you said I owned it, I did that Not proud that that was me and face faces I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power